0: Thanks for that. Um, I just, I wasn't going to start my message this way today, but um, I just got to share. I wasn't going to get choked up either. It's not usually the way you start a message. Um, Somewhere later on is where I planned that for, you know. Um, I'd been praying for something uh, for two years, and um, it was just something that only God could do. There was nothing I could do in it. And that prayer was answered on Friday morning, and um, I can't, I can't tell you what it is. It was a confidential, not so much related to me, um, and I was so excited about it. It's like when it's that confidential, you are like, man, I just want to tell people. So I've told you, um, um, but. Um, I called somebody in America because I figured they wouldn't know who I was talking about anyway. So um, it would be all good. Um, But all that to say is uh, God answers prayer. And I just feel like I need to share that first is that sometimes it takes years. And and be faithful. Pray. And God answers prayer. And um, when you least expect it. When you least expect it. And that's the way God answered this prayer. And I'm still praying there's more to happen. Can't tell you about it. <laughs> but I'm praying for it. And uh, I, I'm just knowing what God's done all right, already, I'm hopeful and optimistic and expectant. So <clears throat> that being said, um, so the way I was going to start my message was uh, I was going to do, and will still do, uh, kind of one of the things that Americans are most exceptional about or with. Um, talking about ourselves and um, with the assumption that you want to hear so um, so that 's kind of that 's kind of way it goes um, in in america like usually you, you can tell a story and it 's like you can tell how great you are um, Here, I try to tell stories that um where i 'm not the hero, um, but then again, sometimes you just got to speak truth so um uh, <laughs> Oh, so stay with me. Um, so anyway, so uh, in a land far, far away, a time long, long ago. I got that backwards. A time long ago. Anyway, you got the idea. Um, I got married, okay? So I got married uh, just coming up in July on 15 years, all right? So uh, that makes me like all oh, just over 30, right? <laughs> so um a lot of laughs. Um, so um, so anyway, got married and um, we we went on our honeymoon. And uh, this is us uh, fifteen years ago in Ireland. So we went to Ireland for our honeymoon, which was really cool. Kylemore Abbey, if you have any idea what that is. And so uh, so we got married. And so it, so my wife, uh, you know, she agreed to uh, to marry me and she believed in me enough to to marry me which was which was pretty cool Um, so then step ahead a few years and one of the things that we used to do every summer is we used to go tramping in the Canadian Rockies okay it was one of our favorite places we would head out there and we went to this one place and we were hiking along and I was—I had gotten quite ahead. Um, I'm usually about the destination instead of the journey. And so um, Ange was back with one or two of my friends, and I would just gotten way ahead. And she got to the end of the trail and was like, um, where's Matt? And all that was in front of her was a rock wall and a chain. Okay? And so um, this cliff, this is kind of like the second part of it. It was literally you come to the end of the trail and there's a chain and you have your big pack on and you just lean back and you just try to walk yourself up this cliff, all right? So um we we kind of worked together to get the the packs up there and all this and spent like, I don't know, two, three nights up in this this beautiful area, this beautiful basin, lake, glacier lake, and all that. But then on the way out, um like the did really well going in, okay? But coming out, she was quite convinced she wasn't going to make it, okay? And part of it was because on this cliff, there's a little bit of an overhang where you're holding on to the chain, and you just got to, like, step o- over and hope your feet hit something, all right? And so it's a bit, it's a bit intimidating, but she was, she, she's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. So thankfully, I had brought a rope along. Okay, and so I bought it was it was actually quite thin mill it was uh, I was like six mil rope so if anybody knows what with like climbing and stuff like that it was like six six mil rope and I made a harness out of it and I'm really glad I didn't have to wear it um, and so I made this harness for her and I made a uh, munter hitch anybody want to know what a munter hitch is all right. <laughs> <laughs> One person, yeah. Okay, so a mutner hitch. So next, if you ever have to lower your uh, wife or girlfriend over the, a cliff, um, it's good to know this. All right, so look it up, uh, a mutner a mute hitch, and uh, basically you take the rope, you fa- connect it to the chains, and I lowered her over the edge of the cliff um, that way, and uh, she made it. And so you're like, what does this have to do with what you're talking about? Everything. See. And here's why. Anne should move. She, she knew that I rock, I rock climbed. This was before my potato chip body. Um, but she knew that I rock climbed. And, um, but there, here she had moved into a new space. She moved into believing in what I could do to actually putting her faith in my hands. And that's huge because now she actually trusted me to send her over a cliff. That takes faith, and that takes um, it, t- it takes a great amount of faith uh, she, especially it was probably good she didn 't know what I was thinking, but it, like, <laughs> hope that was works <laughs> um, anyway let 's pray, and we 're going to dig into this passage uh, tonight, all right God, we thank you for who you are, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that, um, that you speak to us through your word. And so, Lord, I pray that you open our eyes, that we may see wonderful things in your word tonight, Lord, wonderful things, and that we can be transformed by you. And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So if you uh, have your Bible with you, one of the things I think is really cool I've seen over the last couple of weeks that people have spoken of, is actually pulling out their Bible. And... Um, just a little side thing. I'm actually, I've been really about like digital. I really don't like paper. Um, But lately, I've just moved back to going and using paper Bible. And one of the reasons is there's no notifications. Okay, so like there's no, it doesn't vibrate. Um, If it does, God's really saying something. Um, But it it doesn't do those things. And also, um, I remember Growing for me, growing up a long time ago in a land far away, um, that the people that were quite a bit older than me had these Bibles that were just worn out and highlighted and marked up, and it just like you knew that the Word of God was important to them. And so, one of the things for me as youth pastor is it's like they already know my phone's important to me, um, but I and it's not about um, me being look at me, but I want him to see that the word of God is important. And so for me, that's one of the reasons. So I just encourage you, if you, if you do have a Bible, bring your Bible, look into it. You won't be distracted, um, other than by Jesus. So that's good. All right. So let's, let's, uh, let's read this. It comes, it's, uh, James chapter, uh, chapter two, and we're going to see, my, I'm getting older. So like, we'll see, this is a new Bible. And, uh, Tom, can you hold it? No, just kidding. Um, James chapter 2, verses uh, 14 to 26. Did the lights just go up like that, or is that just Jesus? Okay. Oh, no. All right. Um, James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. Let's read this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Reading that passage, I almost feel like we could just like go home now because it's like it's there's just so much good stuff in there. And it's it's just so it's pretty straightforward. Um, But here's the thing. Here's here's what I would say is the invitation. There is an invitation in this passage. The invitation is we're being being invited into a faith that first saves and justifies we're also being invited to a faith marked by listening, observing, and trusting, obeying, and joining. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit. And first we're going to take a little bit at what faith isn't, and then we're going to look at what faith is and the faith that we're called to. So the, the big question in the beginning of this passage, so in verse 14, is what good is it my brothers, if someone has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? So, there's, so we're actually talking about a question of salvation. That if if you have a faith that's absent of works, does that equal salvation? Is that possible? And so he, so uh, James is going to unpack that and he, he and demonstrate illustrate what it is and what it isn't. And so that first one. I think is actually quite interesting. It says if your brother or sister and this is in verse 15. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them things needed for the bite. Now let's let's imagine that. Like you're really hungry. Like you're like you're hungry, you're you're like you've lost everything and you go to one of your friend's house and you say I'm 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 hungry, I I I'm, I'm cold, and they say, go in peace, be warm and well fed. <laughs> like you'd be thinking some not so nice thoughts, right? Like you'd be like, what was that? Like what kind of friend is that? And so that's that's kind of the point, is that 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 would not be a friend. If the friend did not offer to take care of you or provide for you, especially if they had the resource, they would not be your friend. That friendship would be dead. And so he's saying in the same way, just as that does not make sense, he goes on to say that faith without works is dead. It goes on. Um, someone says, well, you have Faith. And I have works. <laughs> well, he goes on to say, "Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works." See here in the first one, they were it was kind of an illustration of 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 faith without works is dead. Here, works without faith is dead. That actually doing something. But they're not having faith. So so in essence, trying to earn my salvation without a faith is dead. And so then we go on and uh, he says, um, but some of you will say, oh, sorry, go on. You believe that God is one. You do well. You believe that it's kind of like this is what he's saying. You believe that God is one. Good for you. That's like what he's saying. You believe that God is one. That's precious. You know, that's nice. (laughs) Even the demons believe that. He's saying, just your belief. It's not about intellectual assent. It's not about knowing the right stuff. Belief without faith, without action. Here he says, is useless. I looked it up. It means useless, but utterly useless. And then wraps it up in verse 26 and says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now, we've heard that Paul Paul says in other parts of the Bible that, um, that we are saved by faith, that we're saved by grace, but we're saved by faith alone. But what James is trying to unpack here is that faith is not passive. Faith is active. Now, part of the reason for these misconceptions that we've just looked at was because of starting with wrong questions. Some of it, like you hear people um, sometimes say, well, what's, uh, what do I just got to do? You know, what's the minimum? And so we're constantly looking for the bare minimum I got to do to to be saved. What's the bare minimum? Or what can I get away with? You know, oh, God, I'll just forgive me later. If I just go to church, that's enough. If I just show up and sing a bunch of songs, that's enough. If I just ask for forgiveness, that's enough. But actually it's asking the wrong questions and it's having the wrong perspective faith and action work together they're integral here's here's two things and this is this is again part of the problem in the new testament the question that is never answered by the apostles it's never important to them is how do i know i'll go to heaven when i die see those other questions that is the point of those questions? I'm trying to earn my salvation so that I can get to heaven at the end. Or I'm trying to do just enough or believe just the right things. I got to believe just the right things so that when I die, I get to heaven there at the end. It's the wrong thing. Because this is the question that the apostles answered. Now that heaven has sent its son to earth, how will I respond? Jesus, in and of himself, who he is, what he brings, himself is enough. How will I respond to him? That is the marker and the question of faith. How do I respond? to Jesus. And what we see as we go on is we see a response to Jesus in these two people. We'll look at Abraham. You can go back to Genesis. I encourage you, if you haven't read the story, you're not familiar with the story of Abraham, I I encourage you to go back to it and to read it. It's in Genesis, starts in Genesis chapter 12, okay? First book of the Bible. So here's Abraham Has a vision. God meets with him, says, Hey, I'm going to do these cool things for you. You just need to get up and go, and I'll tell you when to stop. Okay? Imagine that farewell party. So, where are you going? I don't know. (laughs) Why? God told me in a dream. So, how long is it going to take? I don't know. So, you don't know where you're going, you don't know how long it's going to take. Nope. So what are you doing? I'm just doing what he tells me. And so how will you know when to stop? He's going to tell me. <laughs> right? So like if one of your friends said that to you, you'd be like, hey, I think you ate some bad pizza last night. Let's um let's pray about that. Right? So that might be your natural response. But for Abraham... And again, like I'm, at, I'm wondering what the conversation with his wife was like. Hey, honey, I just had this vision. Um, we're going. And we're just going to camp along the way. Um, but Abraham just got up. And he went. He literally he just got up and did it. Didn't know where he was going. Didn't know when he would get there. But knew that God called him to do it. Then... God, God had promised him that he would be the father of a great nation. And he would, through his descendants, basically, he would bless all nations. And he's 75 years old. And he doesn't have any children. And his wife is of the same age. No kids. And then God comes back to him and says, you're going to have a kid. Okay. Um, not sure how that's going to work, but okay. Okay. They have the kid, Isaac. Isaac comes along. He's growing up, and God says, I want you to sacrifice him. At that point, the conversation with your wife goes very different. <sighs> but Abraham takes his son, and they start going up a mountain. And Isaac, they, they, tie, they tie off the donkey they've been carrying the wood after a while and uh, leave it. And Isaac has to start carrying the wood up the rest of the way up the, up the mountain. And um, Isaac just starts thinking, okay, we've got the wood. We've got the wood. Where's the sacrifice? And um, he asks his dad, uh, dad, um, uh, sacrifice? And dad says, the Lord will provide. Even in that moment, he was trusting God because God had given him a promise that he would bless him through his descendants and he entrusted that God would provide. Gets up to the top, binds his son. Don't do that. Um, Unless it's really clear. Binds his son. Draws the knife. Wondering what's going through Isaac's head at that time the angel of the Lord provides the option. And because God had just asked him to be willing to put it all on the line. Do you trust me? Do you truly trust me enough to put it all on the line even what I've promised you? Even what you think I've called you into? Do you trust me? And Abraham trusted him. And it was that continuously one step He was was demonstrating his faith. His faith was in action. It wasn't passive. He didn't just wait for God to, to tell him all of the information. He didn't wait for God just to do something. He took a step of faith. And he took another step of faith. And he just kept following and following and following. Similarly, Rahab. Um, if you don't know the story of Rahab, um, quite a crazy story in Joshua. It's the sixth book of the Bible. We'll come back to that in just a second. Um, but Rahab um, was a prostitute. Now Joshua sent spies. He was he was kind of leading Israel at the time. He sent these spies into Jericho, right? And they're supposed to spy the land, spy the city. And where do they go? They go to Rahab the prostitute, right? Probably knew all the secrets in the community. And so they go there. And she protects them. She hides them. And, and the reason, it tells us in the passage, she had been paying attention. She heard what God had been doing. And what, how he'd been moving and how he had been working. And she's like, I want to be a part of that. God's doing powerful things. I want on that. And as a result... When the king of the city came looking, she said, "Oh, no, no, no!" She lied, it was early in her faith, um, but she she lied and said, "I don't know what you are talking about." They went, "Yeah, I sent them away." Um, but then she lowered them out, sent them out a different way, and protected them, and and they were saved. And as a result of her faith, of the result of her not just being passive but actively Responding to what God was doing, not only her, but her entire family was saved. This is what faith is. It's seeing what God is doing and responding. We see this in Abraham. Abraham, we can go to this slide, Abraham listened to, to God and responded in obedience. He he was paying attention and listening. Faith requires listening and paying attention. Rahab observed where and how God was working and said I want to join him. Faith requires paying attention. Matthew 28, verse 20. I like to bring this one up a lot. Jesus said, pay attention. I'm with you. Pay attention. See where I'm working. Look out. Behold. Look and join. Two expressions of faith. And so then what they did, and it's what what faith is marked by, is the listening, observing, but then they entrusted, obeyed, and they joined. See, Abraham trusted God with his future, with God's promise to him, and that which was most valuable to him. He completely, what's most valuable? He entrusted to God. Rahab entrusted her safety, her family, her future, and her very identity to God. It wasn't just about knowing the right things. It wasn't just about doing works. She trusted and responded to Jesus, responded to God. And that is the invitation for us, is that we Are to respond to God. I'm gonna I'm just gonna tell a little bit a a little different way, and I'm gonna go just briefly just back to the Gospels. Jesus gave about three, four invitations to his disciples. In John chapter one, he said, they asked him where he's staying, he said, Come and see. They spent the day, they hung out. Next day, he says, follow me. They do a road trip. They go to Galilee. They go to a wedding. He makes 600 liters of wine. Okay. That's a lot of wine. Um, and, and, and it says they believed <laughs> at that moment they believed, right? Okay. There's something special about this guy. So they believed then later on, and probably up to, up to a year later, Jesus says, come follow me. I'll make you fishers and men. And they dropped their nets. They left their livelihood. They left their family. They left their community to follow Jesus. They had moved from just believing to faith. Not just knowing who he was, but actually entrusting him with their livelihood. For some of us, we've, we've actually just been coming for the wine. And we've been coming for the wine for a long time. We've come for those, the special Jesus touches, the special moments. We come to church, show up, because it's what I want to get out of church. It's what I want to get out of my experience. But Jesus is inviting us to move beyond that say, do you trust me? Do you trust me with your future? Do you trust me with your relationships? Do you trust me with your life? Faith is letting it all go and responding to the king and saying, here I am. I'm going to ask the uh, worship band to come up. And Natasha, I think, is going to come up as well. And uh, I just want to give you opportunity. Where are you at? Are you trying to earn your faith? Are you trying to earn some sort of salvation? Are you trying to just know the right things? Or have you put your trust in Jesus? Have you said, God... I give give you all that I have. It's yours. I trust you with it. That's faith. And so some of you tonight, you're here and you're holding on to something. You're holding on and you want control. And Jesus is saying, no, it's time to trust me, to move into faith and allow me to do what I do best. I'm just going to pray. And um, if you sense God wanting you to move into faith, I encourage you to come forward, come up here, and we would love to pray with you and pray that God helps you as you move in to faith and entrusting him. Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you. God, you love us so richly. Not for the purpose of just getting us to heaven, but Lord, for the purpose of being in relationship with us. And God, I just praise you for that. That you invite us to entrust ourselves to the King. So Lord, I just pray that you would reveal those things that we're holding on to. Lord, reveal those things. And tonight, help us to entrust them to you. Lord, help us to move beyond the wine but to following you with a reckless abandon wholeheartedly. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.